Hello and welcome to the Produce Retail Podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Nickel, and I am delighted to be joined again by Josh Padilla, a longtime Produce Retail Executive. Josh's most recent role, as you might remember, was Director of Produce at Marketplace Bermuda. Josh has also led produce at Citarella in New York, at Garrity's in Pennsylvania. His career has also included stops at Crasdale Foods, Whole Foods Market, and Pathmark Supermarkets. Now, as far as topics today, a regular listener's Probably will have caught on by now that we recently published the first ever State of the Produce Manager report. And so essentially, Josh and I today are going to have kind of a follow-up conversation on some of the areas of opportunity that surfaced in the survey that that informed this report. So we're going to talk a little bit about distributions. We're going to talk about how different companies structure reporting related to merchandising and operations, creative ways to give stores enough labor but still incentivize efficiency, and also a little bit about leadership and people management training for produce managers. And honestly, this probably applies more broadly to other department managers as well uh, at the store level. So, Josh, thank you so much for t- taking the time here to visit with me again. And welcome to the podcast. Awesome, Ashley. How are you? Thank you for having me one more time. Absolutely. It's it's always a pleasure, Josh. I appreciated. Josh was one of the folks that I sent the report to and said, okay, Tell me what you think. Are there things in here that are Pollyanna and unrealistic? What stands out to you? You know, tell me your thoughts. So we got to chat after that. And and then after we had that conversation, I thought, ah, I think we can get another podcast out of this. <laughs> I mean, definitely. <laughs> well, one of the things, as, as you know, Josh, that came out in this section of the report where we kind of covered you know, some things that I think probably seem pretty intuitive, like what do produce managers really like about their job? What are the frustrations for many folks of the job and um, often referred to as forced distributions were one of the topics that came up under sort of those frustrations. And so you and I were talking earlier about how this doesn't have like it's a part of the business. It doesn't have to be a terribly frustrating part of the business. And you, of course, have had experience on kind of both sides of this equation. Absolutely right. So forced distributions was one of the major concerns that most of the uh, survey produce managers had, right? But it's part of the business, right? Because of the ebbs and flow of pricing, right? Um, Again, we're talking about produce where, you know, basically um, the perishability of the product is very short on certain items, right? Um, Holidays, um, space in the warehouse, right? You know, there's limited space amount in the warehouse, so you have to force distribute sometimes uh, new items um, and whatnot. So I think one of the key parts of, of you know, it's it's just part of, of the produce world being a retailer, right, that has its own distribution system um, of trying to get this product into the stores, um, you know, um, as quickly as possible and, and, and also kind of align pricing with it, try to move the product as quickly as possible. Right. So, yeah. So you touched on this a little bit in terms of like reasons why these happen. Sometimes it's, Hey, this thing's got a, a, you know, a finite shelf life. We got to move it out of here. We got other stuff coming in. Sometimes it's, hey, we can only offer this price on it right now on this specific item, so we got to get it out. And so what? why is this something that sometimes causes aggravation for produce managers? Well, because, you know, sometimes you have, you know, your, your budgets, right? You know, you, you're trying to do purchase to sales, right? And trying to cut a gross, and then you have product um, that, you know, it has some high strength, right? And so 
produce managers, you know, get some pressures, not just from the produce, you know, uh, director of produce and that side, but also the operation side who are, who are looking at the profitability of the entire store, right? And so produce needs to hit its numbers in order for the store to basically be profitable overall. So when that's being said, you know, when you get extra cases of product that you don't need, sometimes the you know, uh, the produce manager or even the store management team will probably be like, man, we're getting this product. We're getting pounded here with unnecessary product, regardless of price or whatever. And so, yeah, so, you know, I, I understand some of the frustrations that store has, but, you know, from the procurement standpoint, trying to uh, defend procurement a little bit here, um, you know, definitely it's um, something that needs to be done in order for to, you know, take uh, advantage of opportunity buys and, and again, also not cause, you know, produce, uh, I always say the first loss is the best loss. I mean, so, I mean, it's not very cost effective when you're grabbing product straight from slots and warehouse and throwing them in the garbage. So sometimes maybe we, if we can push that product out, you know, offer uh, our customers or value, right? That's a, that's a better way of looking at it rather than just grabbing it out of warehouse and tossing it in a compactor. Mm-hmm. And I know on, because I know you've worked as a produce manager earlier in your career, and of course, more recently as a director on, on your side in a leadership role, what would you do to try and kind of lessen the, the frustrations that that sometimes would cause? Because I know when we talked earlier, you gave a couple examples, um, whether it's acknowledging, hey, the quality on this, you know, isn't as good as possible. Do you want it? you know, so you have something and you can kind of decide how much you can use or how would you approach that? Um, you can approach it in different ways, right? I mean, key is communication, right? Letting the stores know what's coming, how much is coming and and uh, when it's coming, right? So that's, that's the major key, right? Uh, I think the second is, is trying to offer some incentives in order for the stores to really, you know, get this product behind, right? For example, let's say you buy a case of plump tomatoes, right? And because it has you know, 20% shrinkage on that, maybe you can reduce the cost to the store that's being invoiced. Um, so that way they can, you know, sell it at a, at a cheaper cost and, and hit full gross on the product, right? So there's other ways of, uh, of doing those things uh, in order to enhance the stores. Um, but again, you know, um, like I said, you know, as a director of produce, and I, and I probably think other directors might concur the first loss is the best loss and the best outlet for you know sometimes is it, the store level right of uh, getting this product out of the slots you know that's already turning on you um and putting into stores right or even opportunity buys right you know you, you know you've had a high price on let's say avocados for such a while right and you got a really good deal you can be very sharp on a particular price offer the customer value, and then you can basically, you know, send the stores uh, a distribution on on avocados and run, you know, a three day or four day uh, sale right on that particular product product in store, right? So, so again, it's it's again, it's uh, uh, you know, a distribution, you know, forced distribution is something that you know I, I get from the store level and, and what the pressures that they have, but it's a necessary evil in order for the you know in order for us to keep business and keeping our customers happy, right? Well, and to your point about communication too, I have seen, you know, different retailers where they've sort of turned the opportunity buys and, you know, as a result of that, the forced distribution essentially into an art form where they just teach folks to expect that. And hey, when you get extra product that you weren't expecting, 
this is where you put it in the store. Here's, you know, the signage that goes with it to shout that it's a great value. You know, maybe we've got an attachment to our marketing team and maybe the social media or things like that to get the word out and help kind of drive some of that sell through that way too. So it sounds like you're saying the communication immediately to the stores is huge. And if you've got other avenues that maybe you can get the word out even to to customers through some of the, the stores different or the organization's different you know, consumer facing channels that all can kind of make it a, a little less, less painful. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and, and again, you know, I get with the stores, you know, um, you know, some of the pressures that they have again, at the end of the day, um, you know, they have other, they have to look, you know, they have to have their profitability so the whole store can be profitable. Right. And so, uh, so I understand, you know, when you get pressures of purchase to sales, right. And all of a sudden the procure, mm-hmm. you know, the procurement team sends, you know, four pounds of strawberries, right. And like, well, I didn't order this. I can't even meet move for, you know, pounds of strawberries. And, and, you know, one of the things I, uh, communication does right beforehand is, you know, um, lessen the blow, lessen the blindsiding of, of, of the produce manager. Mm-hmm. And what would you suggest for, for produce ma- managers, maybe who are in an, or- an organization where the, the communication from, from the buying team might not be as mm-hmm. proactive. And so they find themselves, you know, like you said, getting questioned about their numbers, you know, later on, I don't know if it's productive to, for them to sort of keep notes and say, okay, well here, you know, we got this, we weren't offered a deal. We did have higher shrink on that item. Cause I know we were all trying to move it. Like what's a productive way to have some of those conversations where it doesn't become finger pointing. Um, you know, sometimes, um, you know, I, that is very important. Right. So, I mean, some of the stores have the opportunity to log shrink, Right, um, you know, uh, either by scanning the amount of product that they they throw away and things like that. Right, you know, keeping these these notes of when, let's say, you know, on and yesterday I received, you know, for Valentine's, you know, uh, you know, stem berries, you know, that were kind of shape little shaky, right? And then they can scan that product that's being thrown and have a conversation. Again, it all depends on 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 the reporting mechanism, right? You know, again, you know, some stores uh from managers report as a dotted line to the produce director, but a straight line to the operation side of the business, right? And so having, you know, conversation with the store managers that can elevate it to their to to their um supervisors, right? To um whether it be a district manager or VP of of operations that can actually lead this, you know, these conversations at a level where we're having these, you know, uh very high level conversations at a corporate often saying, hey, my stores are, are complaining about getting distributions on, you know, on particular items, you know, we're not being told this. We don't know what to do. We're not getting guidance. Uh, we need some additional support from procurement and merchandising to execute at store level, right? So, so again, it, 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 it you know, the department manager can't go that way. You know, I've had the opportunity to be in small organizations where, you know, um, the amount of reporting uh, is just straight to me, right? So, you know, it's, it's you know, having been small organizations where there's not the bureaucracy, right, is, is a lot better, right? So, so yeah, so again, it all depends on what the company structure is uh, and, and how, you know, and how or when or who uh, the produce managers report to. Well, and you made the segue for me, Josh, because the other thing that we were planning on touching on here is sort of the pros and cons of some of those different structures regarding reporting, merchandising, and operations, and how those 
work together or separately or like you said the reporting can sometimes be between those two in, in some interesting ways oh absolutely right so i mean sometimes you know a good organization everybody's working in partnerships but sometimes you have organizations that's not the case right so you look at operations sometimes they're they're in charge of labor budgets right you know purchasing budgets right you know equipment you know pnl full pnl responsibility of entire store and in order to balance the operations they need to basically you know take account of the whole entire store right so one day you know so you'll have a produce manager complain you know one day that you know they took his help to go pack out groceries right or you know or you know you, you go visit a store a store you know, all of a sudden you're like, why does why does the produce department look like a bazooka went off on one on it, right? And well, they lowered my 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 labor budget from what used to be a six percent, right, to five point two five, right? Or you know, maybe they 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 overbought on on you know or overspent on a grant reopening or something like that, and so now everybody has to sort of you know sacrifice themselves. Um, to, you know, and produce being being one of them to basically, you know, kind of pay back, you know, the money that was spent in trying this grand, grand reopening or or what or whatnot, right? So that becomes sort of an issue, right, that you have, right? And 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 again, sometimes and, and I get it, I understand that, you know, I'm not trying to go after director of operations or regional VPs of operations, but sometimes and there needs to be some conversations had of what, you know, what that labor percentage is going to look like, right? What, you know, what a cut through program is going to be needed for, you know, uh, for labor percentage is going to be needed in cut through program, what that's going to look like, what is needed to really merchandise the department and create an experience um, for our customers and for our guests, right? So it, it's a lot that needs to go through a process. And some companies are good at it, right? Some companies, you do, you know, you do have some input as a director of produce of how that is going to look like, right? Um, and then sometimes it's just not, it's not a conversation to be had. Right. And I've been on both, on both sides of the equation. And I'm curious too, I guess, have you seen that those two are, are typically as aligned as would be helpful, or is it pretty common for, for those two groups, operations and merchandising to be, be a little more siloed? It depends on the organization, right? Sometimes I've been in organization where they're siloed, right? And then I've been in organizations where it's, you know, it's a partnership full full way, right? So I'm talking to district managers all the time. Maybe you're having once or twice conference calls uh, with the store with the store managers or, or the district managers and whatnot, right? And then sometimes it's like territorial right where you know you're not coming in my lane right um you know um things like that you, you'll walk as a you know in produce what why do they have you know apple juice in in the middle of the produce department when that's supposed to be a pallet drop for let's say pumpkins or watermelon and whatnot right so you know so that happens a lot right because again you as a director of produce you're taking you're making decisions strategically and sometimes not a day on a day-to-day -day basis right an operations guy especially the store manager making those decisions on the fly down there because they're in the store every single day right they they know what what their what their team is and sometimes it runs across you know against what you think should be merchandised in that spot at that particular time in your department so so again yeah so there's there's a lot of pressure you know um to to at the end of the day you know 
I answer for produce while the district manager or the regional VPs answer for the entire store, right? Plus, you know, supplies, plus, you know, uh, labor, plus, you know, uh, P&L, you know, equipment, yada, 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 right? So it's a lot more that they have. And so they need, like I said, they need to steal from Paul to pay to Peter, right? Give or take, right? So if the produce department needs, you know, it's profitable, what does it matter? Well, you need to use those 200 basis points that are they're profitable to, to force, you know, to basically subsidize, you know, meat failures, for example, right? So, so yeah, I mean, th- that ends up having these conversations and these conversations can be very heated, um, you know, be, because of, you know, what, because of just the, the balance of it. Because again, it, it's day-to-day, it's operations is changes on a day-to-day basis, right? You know, so, you know, you get a snowstorm one day, you, you you do overtime and then the next day you need to cut back or, or you spent earlier in the week, all your labor and your sales didn't, you didn't hit projected sales. And now you have to cut by the back end of the week. Right. So again, operations is more day to day. Right. And produce directors, depending of where they're at, right. Don't have that prelude of that operation side of it. And so, you know, it becomes a little bit more navigating and a lot more difficult because you don't have the day to day business that a store manager might have a wall of the store. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what do you think is sort of the, what's the best of both worlds in terms of kind of integrating those groups and letting those groups do their own thing? Because I know a lot of times things feel simpler sometimes in the silos where it's like, well, we'll just do our thing here. You do your thing over there. But it seems like maybe there's it's more work up front, but it's maybe less conflict in different areas when there is a little more integration and more conversation, you know, as a as a regular practice. Well, when the budget processes come up, right? So, you know, depending on where company you're, you're at, right? You know, sometimes you start in January, you know, your fiscal calendar your ends or finishes in January, right? And these are the conversations you need to you need to have, right? You know what I mean? And also the department managers can also help with this process too, right? You know what I mean? Because sometimes what happens, for example, right? I've always, when I was a produce manager, you either use your labor or you lose it, right? So if you're, if you, you're underspending labor, don't expect next year to get that same labor percentage or the same labor dollars, right? You lose it, right? So because you didn't need it. And all of a sudden now you need it, you don't have it anymore. So these are conversations you need to have with your department manager. Um, the budget process is very, very, very key. And what does that look like, right? So when you're having these conversations where, hey, you know, I'm coming up, I'm adding maybe uh, 10 new items to the cut fruit program, right? What is that going to look? How much is that going to spend? You know, this is what I need as far as labor hours, labor dollars to get this particular program executed at store level as far as training and how how is that going to look like? And these are conversations you need to have with, you know, the VP of operations or the COO, whoever that is, in order to have that sort of in, integrated, right? You know, um, even pat down to say, hey, we're going to get an extra vendor now. I mean, decided to go third party on a cross-stop program, specialty program for produce. There's going to be now three extra deliveries on a specialty cross-stop program that needs to be that labor needs to be allocated in there because you're going to get these three these deliveries. And that means department manager's got to do an extra order, has to do an extra, you know, uh, invoicing, checking invoicing, checking in product, yada, yada. What does that look like? So the budget program and is, is you know, depending on, you know, how that budget planning is, looks like should be initially be with everybody in, in, in the room, right? You know, what that, what does that look like? Right. And sometimes, that really doesn't happen, right? So, you know, so so again, 
you know, Protus had a great year this year. You know what I mean? Uh, they should be projected to have a good year next year, so they don't need that much labor. Let's take a, a quarter point off that. Meat didn't have a great year last year. They're more than likely not going to have a great year next year. We need extra, we still need the hand, so let's give that labor labor a quarter of a point percentage of labor to, mm-hmm. to meet, right? And here you are having like, whoa, 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 you're a produce manager in a room and you let your produce director in a room, like, whoa, are you taking labor from me? Or, whoa, whoa, and give it to me. Well, hold on one second here. And then that's one you end up having. That's why sometimes these silos exist because sometimes getting these individuals in the same room might not be, it might be more of a firework than more of a, a partner and a collaboration, right? Mm-hmm. So, because again, it's your department, right? You answer for your yeah. own department. Mm-hmm. Well, and that, that makes me think of, um, a conversation I had on here with um, Scott Schutte a little a little while back. I remember him talking about sort of the the need to sometimes think about is there a way that we can align incentives here a little bit for folks among these different groups because you know when when you're if you're being evaluated on different sets of numbers obviously and you know what's good for me over here isn't necessarily good for you over here right on the the numbers the metrics you're being judged on like. Of course, that's going to cause conflict, right? I don't know if there's a way to totally avoid that, but um, that was something I remember Scott mentioning. And I was curious if, well, actually, this does lead me to another thing we were going to talk about, which is how have you seen people get kind of creative, um, whether it's the the structure of, of labor? Um, I, I think I remember you mentioning at some places they would they would give you a little more labor, but then there were incentives if you use less. So if you could figure out ways to achieve your sales and all those different things, but use less labor, um, it wasn't just that it disappeared the next year, like you're describing happens in some other situations. Oh, absolutely. I mean, profit sharing, for example, right? So when I was a produce manager and I was going up to a particular company, we used to have what's called what's called gain sharing. Basically was, look, we filled our percentage. We used up all the labor we need, we need to do. But if we saved on overtime and exceeded sale expectations, that late that labor that you didn't use to fulfill those that sales, right, is all you know shared shared amongst everybody. Right in in that department, right, and then you sort of get a monthly gain share or profit sharing check on a month, and then some of it goes into the end of the year, which sometimes can help for other things. For example, let's say you know it gets tough labor wise, right? Um, you can grab from that pot to subsidize that particular month, so it's a little bit better, a little bit a lot better. I think that's the way to go, right? Because most companies, what do they do when you know they don't, you know, when they have you know they're spending this amount of labor, they saved on labor, and they overexcelled on sales. Where does that profit go to? Hmm. Really doesn't really go into the department, or really, you know, or more that, or that department might go and that money might go somewhere else to sort of cover those sins and holes that created that. So there was really no incentive, right, to to do more with less, right? Um, and I think that we need to go into that area, right, to reward people. Again, we have, you know, we can talk about labor and, you know, how many department managers or state produce managers are staying in produce, how many people are leaving in produce. You know, we need to become more creative to attract talent in our sector, right? And I think one of the ways, and, and stores is much more difficult, right? Because store is seven days a week, you know, operating hours, 7 a.m. to 10 p.m., right? It's very, very difficult to man those store level. Who wants to work weekends and work holidays, right? It's not something that, you know, a lot of people like to do, right? So we need to come up with some incentives in order to, you know, um, 
to maximize sales, to you know, ensure that the quality on the stands look good, right? Our merchandising is up to par, right? And so you need to, you know, really look at metrics, right? Labor is just a small amount, right? And then you talk about, you know, creativity, right? You talk about, you know, proper ordering, you know, you know, hitting a gross, right? Sales to purchase, right? So there needs to be some incentive that just doesn't cover labor, but it covers the whole thing of what a produce manager sort of a person manager does on a day-to-day basis, right? You know, and and you know, we really have to think very, very hard of what that looks like in order to keep the people that we have and also attract more people into the business. Well, and as I've talked with folks like yourself who've been in the business for a long time, it sounds like um even for produce managers, bonuses will be pretty prevalent, you know, based on the sales and exceeding their numbers or meeting their numbers or different things like that. Do you know, is that still a popular structure where there's sort of some incentives built in for great performance or has it sort of normalized where it's like it's 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 your hourly pay, basically? Again, again, you know, for, for me, as I see a tight labor market, right, you know, against competing right. with other not just supermarket. I mean, we're competing with other industries, right, in order to get talent, right? Mm-hmm. We need to make sure that we're providing our people with incentive to stay in produce, right? If I can make $25 more somewhere else, guess what? I'm going to go and make money 25 somewhere and make those $25 more somewhere else, right? Or, you know, different sector. Um, you know, and you need to ensure that you're you're creating a, a, not just a bonus structure, but a workplace where mobility upward you're getting to learn more training uh you know uh, opportunity to go into you know if you're in store going into you know operations you know like a produce specialist purchase merchant or going to procurement category manager or whatnot we need to start creating those things in order for us to keep like i said keep our talent that we have and attract more right it's getting difficult you know i mean you talk you probably had this conversation with other directors the level of talent and, you know, labor and keeping it and losing it, it's become of, during these times, has become very, very tight. And even, even you know, personnel-wise, right? If I can, go, I can go somewhere and make more money, I will, right? You know what I mean? So, you know, you need to build, you as an employee, I think the supermarket world has been a little bit slow in building their own brand as far as for this is our brand, this is why we should come and work for us, right? This is why we should be the destination of where all produce managers want to be produce managers, right? So, so yeah, so that, I mean, we're missing that opportunity. And I think that, you know, uh, the bonus is, is, is a good part of it, but also the, the, the culture, the, you know, the upper vulnerability, the training, you know, and, and and when I look at skills and training, I don't look at skills and training just for the job at, ta- at hand, but also for lifelong career, you know, skills that they can take from whether it's staying here with me in this company or going somewhere else, right? Yeah, absolutely. Well, and, and to your point, the the incentives, bonuses, whatever, you know, it, it absolutely should be more than just the financial side of it. Um, I've talked with a few different people who describe when they became a produce manager and then they eventually got, you know, their next store and they went from managing a smaller team to managing a bigger team. All of a sudden it was like, Ooh, you know, not having had specific training on managing people on leading a team. 
it's like, hey, if, if you got promoted because you were a superstar on the wet rack, that doesn't mean you know how to manage a team of 10 people, right? I mean, those are very different skill sets, right? You can be a, a whiz at the PL and, you know, not have had any training on conflict management between team members or, you know, somebody comes to you for the third week in a row and says, hey, I'm sorry, I have a family thing come up again. I I, I need, you know, you to cover, or I need to be let off of this shift or that, you know, those are all things that are beyond the scope of maybe what someone's had to deal with as, as a full-time clerk or, you know, whatever they were, were before they moved up. And um, I've also heard from folks on when they have gotten some training in that area, it's just hugely helpful, which, which would make sense. And so I'm curious to hear from you, Josh, on, is that something that makes sense for companies to invest in internally? Is that something that um, you know, industry associations should be making a priority to try and kind of develop something to, to assist along those lines. What do you think? I think that the company should should definitely, you know, uh, develop their own team. Like I said, you know, uh, whether it's for, for a career with that, in, you know, for that individual to stay in your company or for them to leave, you know, eventually if they decide to move on, at, at the end of the day, you know, you, you need to teach your people, you need to groom them, and, you know, you need to ensure that they have the proper tools for order to do their job, right? Um, you know, um, so we, as, a, as an industry and, and, and being a retailer, you need to really develop these programs um, because, you know, definitely it's, it's becoming a world where, you know, it's very competitive right now, right? You know what I mean? Again, not just for, from a labor standpoint, but also, you know, how do you differentiate from a competitor, you know, in, in the same industry, right? So, so again, as you're competing with talent, right, you need to ensure that, you know, that you're giving the tools for approach managers to succeed, where it's being, you know, take, taking them, as I call soft, soft skills, right? Which is the delegation, which is the leadership skills and whatnot, or the hard skills, Excel, you know, um, uh, ERP system, yeah. um, you know, and things like that. We're training them to up, up on that, um, on that part, right? And then, you know, and then the other education component of it, of how things go about, right? How the ecosystem works, right? You know, how we do, how it goes from, you know, from field and farm all the way to, to stores, right? That also, that education needs to happen too. Um, so you need to really, that way you have a department, you know, ahead that is fully well-rounded, right? That knows how to lead a team, you know, knows how to delegate, knows how to hold their people accountable, knows how to mentor, knows how to train, and then knows the sort of the technical parts of, you know, what, 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 how to, how to find out how, how it grows, um, you know, you know, and basically know, you know, who our partners are from a supply chain perspective, you know, this product came from this price and this is the reason why we buy this particular product from that individual, right? So it, it's, well, and it's, it's beneficial. And again, I know companies want to do it because what if I lose them? It's part of life, right? You know what I mean? So, you know, and actually I take credits to that. I mean, you know, if I have a company that's trying to basically, you know, um, get one of my guys right it's kind of talks testament of you know the you know what the actual what, what how much training i've given that individual that they're willing to take my own people right because i've done a pretty good job in in ensuring that they they're well-rounded uh produce mm -hmm. managers well and you make a great point josh that in a perfect world it's 
really probably more education is needed in, in, in all three of those different buckets in terms of the, the career path opportunities. And so letting people know like, hey, you, you can really kind of move wherever you like in the organization at some point if you stay and, and these are the things you check off the list and the skills you add to get from here to there. On the product knowledge side, to your point, understanding like, hey, this is why we buy from, you know, X, Y, and Z suppliers. They do this and that. That makes the quality really good. And then they get to tell those stories to the the consumers. And then on that that team leadership piece too, I mean, it, it's it's just an essential part of it. And I, um, I don't think it comes, maybe to some people it comes intuitively. I would want, I would want some, you know, some practice having some of those hard conversations, right. And someone taking through like, what would you say if someone comes up to you and says this, or what do you say if, you know, your boss is visiting the store on the day that the, the one, the first day and, you know, several weeks that you're out on vacation and things don't look good. And the boss asks your subordinate, Hey, what the heck is happening here? And, you know, you get thrown under the bus. What does that conversation look like later on? Right. Like there's some of those things that, um, like that, that team leadership, team dynamics, all that part of the education has to happen too. If you had to pick one of those three, where, where would, where would you start if you're, if you're starting kind of on that, that produce, educating the produce managers better journey? That's a good question. Um, you know, I, I, I don't think there's a major component of, of what I should start first or, or, or start last, right? I, I think that, you know, it, it all comes, you know, as far as as you're growing. I mean, you could start as a produce clerk, right? You know what I mean? You know, learning who our partners are and what we're, we're, we're not, you know, what, why we do the way things are. Why do we support, you know? um fair you know fair trade why do we do more organic why do we buy you know product that's locally grown and these are the particular programs that we we, we support right you can start from there right um you know from the produce clerk level right and then as you started kind of moving up then you start learning more detail of what the supply chain looks like right how 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 you know how you know, for example, if you have uh, processing where, you know, uh, you need to make sure that all your suppliers meet a certain criteria, right? Whatever that looks like, right? Whether it's, uh, you know, paying a labor wage, are they environment friendly? Um, are they, do they have, uh, you know, minority status where, you know, there's a bunch of, you know, the owners are, you know, from minor- from different minority marginalized groups, right? And things like that, right? So you can keep on moving that. And I think as, as, you know, as you, as you start moving up, I think, um, for example, I can only take for my example, when I was a department manager, I got a really small store and it was very hands-on. You know, that tech, that skill set, different skill sets needed because I actually have to work and, uh, you know, be, you know, more hands-on. Whereas I have a bigger team, I need to more now be more responsible, learn how to delegate, learn how to put people in a position to to succeed, right? And that's a different time type of uh, uh, a different type of skill set that is needed in different kind of training. So again, it, it's just how the company trains and how the company sort of says, "Hey, you know, this is the, you know, if you go from a merchandising, this is what you're going to learn. If you go from a, a full time produce nighttime supervisor, this is what you're going to learn, right? And if you're assistant produce manager, gearing up to become a department manager, this is what you are going to learn, and this is what you. So again, the company needs to sort of build that out. Right on what levels, on what training is needed as they're moving up, up, right? Because again, as you, if they decide to leave produce, well, then they go into the store management, right? 
program, right? And what does that look like? And that, you know, from a store manager perspective, maybe it's six months in, in the fresh side, or maybe it's six months on, on the non-fresh side, maybe it's six months looking at PLs, right? It's maybe working with a strong merchandiser, or it may, and then maybe another working with another store manager or department manager that's a lot more, you know, creative at, you know, at merchandising PL, right? So again, it, it all depends, right? And so we have to kind of outline that, but it has to be all intermittent. It'll keep everything interesting. Interesting. That makes sense. And then it's all got to be simple enough somehow to make it fit into the day-to-day crush of the actual operations, right? <laughs> oh, absolutely, right. So, yeah. so, so, so you know, you, you, again, that's what you need. What you need to do, um, and what does that look like? And again, go back into operations, right? And operations will be like, whoa, I'm got you one of those train. That's good. Well, how much is that going to cost us, right? What is going to be the ROI on that, right? You know, and 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 things like that, right? And and you know, there needs to be some certain sense of buy-in. Again, it's it's money that's going to come out of sales because you need to subsidize your training. What does that look like, right? And 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 so you know, these are conversations that you know that need to happen, and and in order to make it happen. Well, and you you make a great point that if. You know, if, if as the director of produce, you're having a conversation with operations about more labor hours for training, that's not necessarily something that that the ROI is going to show up as much for them specifically, where you almost kind of have to go to like your corporate who's got the numbers on what does turnover cost us in the time it takes to post the ads, to do the interviews, to replace these people, to retrain people, right? The hours that go into training the new people. And you kind of got to get the whole, the whole circle sort of involved in that conversation to get that ROI where like, Hey, I don't know if we'll see X amount of dollars in additional sales in this specific time frame, but we know that up here where we're spending X dollars a year, you know, 50% turnover, 70% turnover, whatever it is, if we can reduce that by X, that gives us this much more money, you know, in whatever budget that shows up in. So it does, it becomes a more complicated conversation, but I think, you know, longer term, I think the rationale makes sense, but you're right. If if the conversation's only at those two points, that's going to be a hard, hard battle to win, I would think. Oh, absolutely. I mean, some of my arguments that I've had before is, hey, even for a simple conference uh, conference call or even a meeting at headquarters where you're pulling department managers, well, who's going to manage the department while he's gone? You know, I don't have I don't have the bodies to, to you know, uh, to basically pack out and keep, you know, putting product on, on a stand. You're taking my produce manager away. Mm-hmm. Well, I need to I need to strategically have a conversation with department managers because this is our holiday planning, you know. So this is what I when I first started the conversation, you know, there's day to day operational issues that kind of put, you know, a little bit of a, a hamper on sort of the more strategic outlook. And department managers are caught in the middle of this, right? Yeah, yeah they want to know what's going to happen for the holidays. What needs to, what needs for them to what need they need you do to get ready, but at the same time, you can't, you know, you, there's there's a, a hesitance to pull them out of, of you know, the store, right? And like, what's going to happen today, right? You know, so rather than, you know, planning for tomorrow, I think a lot of us in the retail world live on today, right? Rather than build for the future. And, and that's not a, that's not a good place to be in, right? So, mm-hmm. yeah. so 
I don't know if this there's a universal answer to this question, Josh, and maybe it's a dumb question that everybody except me already knows the answer to, but I know that produce managers, mostly from what I've heard, are paid hourly versus salary. Why is that? Um, you know, it depends, right? So you have union contracts, for example, right? Some produce managers fall under the union contracts, hourly pay. Um, you know, um, I would say that, you know, I, I think um, depending on the state, how that is defined, right? Right. So, you know, that are they a non-exempt or exempt employee uh, for that particular reason? Um, so, yeah, I mean, does does changing the salary, would that be reason? We'd have to see what the legality of that is or what yeah. the contract issue with the union would, would be with that, right? But, from, I mean, other than Bermuda, um, we actually, everywhere else, I paid all my department managers a by the hour rate. And Bermuda was, you know, by the by the salary and they had to work a certain amount of hours, right? Um, and then anything above that, we actually played overtime after um they uh they uh, exceeded those hours right so so yeah so that gives you some some but i would think possibly it's probably more of a legality some contracts that are there um and yeah that's yeah. well the the reason i ask is i was talking with a, a produce manager this last week and he actually had done something that that earlier in my career i had done the same thing where Basically, you know, you're getting pressure because you you put in a couple hours of overtime and then you're hearing like, hey, we, we can't have overtime. I'm like, well, I want to make sure this is done correctly and up to the standard. And, you know, um, can you just switch me to salary so that I can put in the time that's needed to make this be like it's supposed to be? And um, both this gentleman that I was talking to and myself got the same answer, which was, well, you know, we we can't do that. And, and I don't know if it's a, a matter of like, you know, produce managers, people will be there 12 hours a day, maybe if you, if you let them, you know, to try and make everything perfect. And we don't want that. Um, but I, I just thought, yeah, maybe it's worth exploring some of the ways that these things are, are structured. And so I, like I said, I wasn't sure kind of if it was just a, an institutional knowledge piece that I was missing there on why that seems to always be the case or yeah, I, I mean, nowadays, I would probably frown upon that because, you know, there is some life and work balance, right? Nowadays, you know, you're looking at people don't want to work more, they want to work less, right? You want to have more balance in, in life, right? And again, you know, it also, if you look at some of the studies, I think that, you know, if you work like maybe, I think it's more than 50 hours a week or 55 hours a week, your efficiency just goes down, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, you don't want to have hired personnel, right? You want to make sure that you have people that, you know, can, you know, especially department managers, basically they're running multi-million dollar operations, right? And, you know, they they need to run their business like they own it, right? And they need to be, you know, balanced, right? Last thing you want to get is department managers tired, stressed out, and just saying, you know, these guys don't, are not really grateful for what I do, right? So, so yeah, I, I would probably stay away from that. Um, even with my salary guys and in Bermuda, I keep them where they need to be kept at, right? Um, I don't want them, you know, they, they're required to have two days off. They get two days off, right? They're, you know, and if they do come in, you know, they need to get paid for that particular thing, right? No working off the clock. I've seen that a lot, you know, uh, as, you know, you know, previously coming up, you know, 20 years ago, that was probably rampant. People punch out and go back to work. That's just not not the right place to be. Yeah. Again, 
um, you know, as a department manager um, and as a leader, you need to, you know, ring that alarm bell that, you know, that you need more help, right? You need more personal, you know, personnel in order to get, you know, the, the X and O's executed at the store level. And those are the part, those are conversations that you need to have with your store manager or, you know, or your, or your operations leader in, in that particular region or district. And I know we're at time, Josh, so I'll, we can end it with this one. What have you seen? So if, if somebody is in that situation where like, man, either I desperately need more hours just to, you know, have us meet standards or, hey, I know if we had more hours, we could, you know, get way closer to the potential that I see for us. What are what are ways to, I guess, make that make that ask compelling enough that you get the you get the affirmative uh, answer that you're looking for there? Well, labor is a very touchy, touchy issue. Right. I'm going to be honest with you. Right. Yeah. So, you know, most of the time the answer would probably be no. Mm-hmm. All right. Because budgets are set. Right. So yeah. I think the part managers need to adapt and overcome. Right. And they need to understand that they need to kind of train their team in order for them to then focus on other things, right? You know, the so you get rid of basically the low-hanging fruit, as I call it, right? So if, you know, if labels and sign making is something that you, is your responsibility as a department manager, maybe you can train someone else to get that done, right? Do their sign work, do labeling and whatnot, right? Maybe if you have, you know, order books, you know, and your juice stacking or drive through, right, um, is something that you order maybe twice a week, then you can give that to someone maybe, maybe, you know, once or twice a week to, to, to do. Right. And, and, and you need to, you know, you need to start becoming a lot more, you know, efficient in that sense and train your team in that sense. And so that way you can sort of, you navigate again, labor, that's an easy answer. Let me get more labor. And that's not usually what's going to happen. Right. Uh, Because, you know, labor again, budgets are budgets and they are what they are. And you have to kind of, you know, you have to kind of keep that sort of, the foundational baseline and then you kind of have to do with what you have. Right. And I think that, you know, the part managers, you know, training comes a long way with that because they can start identifying saying, you know what, maybe, maybe Michelle is the right person to, to do the sign work for. Right. You know um, um, yeah. Maybe coming in, you know, and, and empowering my assistant produce manager, just be charged of just the, the turnaround of the department. Right. You know, changing the front tables, you know, having him, having him or her, execute that you know the end caps and whatnot maybe do that so that way it could give me sort of the opportunity to look at the department more at a higher level and and and, and you know hit gross margin make sure that my stock levels are, are, are appropriate make sure that i'm walking down the department and sure that things you know that are expired out of code or pulled off you know off quality items are being pulled off and then if there are issues with that you know retrain and whatnot right so so those are some of the, the things that we need to do but again Labor is an easy answer. Adding it to, in, a, in a perfect universe, I'd be the greatest solution. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm going to go into the office and get an extra, you know, half a point on, on labor. That's not going to happen. You know, so you know, so I think that we need to train our teams in order for them to sort of say, hey, we need to, we need to delegate a lot more. We need to train our people a lot better. We need to ensure that you know, because at the end of the day, I mean, that's what makes people makes teams more efficient, more cohesive, and just making sure that everybody in the department is involved in in the end game is, I think, a, a more better approach. Mm-hmm. Well, I think Josh, that we have come full circle back to training 
people management and leadership training for produce managers so they can get the most out of their teams like you described because it sounds like that's you know trying to get more efficient by basically having a better overall team of the number of people and the number of hours that you do get that's going to be the most likely way to to get those more sales out of the department versus like you said asking for for more hours that are probably going to be very hard to come by <laughs> Oh, no, absolutely. Right. When the budgets are set, the budgets are set. Right. So, you know, and these are the conversations as a director I'm having with my with my peers. Right. You know, when we're setting the budget. But once the budget is set, you know, how do we do a lot better? And like I said before, in the earlier responses was, hey, we need to build a toolbox. We need to really look at our training and invest in ways of our department managers to to really learn the business from, you know, soft skills, you know, hard skills, and then just look at that, right? So that they can take that training and mentor their people and then sort of build, you know, a, a cohesive team that you can, you know, basically hopefully are setting themselves up for the future, right? You know, and that answers one of your questions is, oh, what do I need to do in order for me to leave while on vacation and come back to a disaster, right? Well, you know, having a team that you know that is well trained and well versed of what is needed to get the plan executed on a weekly basis is department manager. But if the department manager isn't getting that support, there's no way they're going to they're going to be able to give that support to their team. Well, Josh, like I said, I, I we always we always are over time. This time only by a few minutes. So I'll I'll stop us here. Thank you so much again <laughs> for joining me. We'll thank our listeners as well. If you are learning from or otherwise enjoying the podcast, if you do rate and review, that does help us out. Um, helps me bring back wonderful folks like Josh who have been so willing to share their expertise with us. And one more note, I have had a number of folks reach out to me with interest in viewing the full report. I did design it as a resource for retailers. So I've made it complimentary for folks on that side of the business. For suppliers who would like a copy, there is a nominal investment. Obviously, the better you understand your customer and their challenges, the better partner you can be. So there is value to this report for companies on the supply side as well. Please feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn. It's Ashley Nickel. Nickel is N-I-C-K-L-E. Or my email is Ashley at NickelGrowthStrategies.com. Thank you so much for listening. Aside from interest in the report, please let me know if there are topics that we aren't covering that you think we should be, or if there are some awesome people on the retail side you know who you would love to hear as guests. Send it all my way. I appreciate all your feedback. Thank you one more time, and I'll see you next week on the Produce Retail Podcast.